G'day punters, welcome to the deepest of the dives. It's a Monday morning, maybe a little bit more towards Monday midday if you're over east, but I'm not, so I'm going to refer to myself here. And Jack Dickens and Shane Curlio are joining me to talk about, well, we're going to talk a little bit about the golf. We'll mention a bit about our old mate uh, St. PVL up there in New South Wales, and there's plenty of racing dribble to go through. Some really good Q&A, though, so I suggest you either skip forward to that or stick around for it, depending on what you're inclined to do. But Jack Dickens, the caddy, three winning sets in a row. Uh, you get the feeling that when uh, this young man with a beard that worked previously for one H. Gilmore lobs, he is going to lob in a big, big way. Yeah, I was sort of speaking to him. Like We haven't really nailed one yet, and uh, he's 5.9 units out, 8.2 back at the open. Um, that was 2.8 out, 3.4 back in the outrights, and 3.1 out, and 4.8 back in the props. But, yeah, I, I feel like we're not – yeah, there's upside, and it's really exciting because it's – it was pretty cool to wake up to, to more money in your, like, probably your Betfair account, wasn't it? Oh, it's always nice. But I also lose track of what my account's doing these days. You got the, you well, guys... I, I actually I actually <laughs> knew if we want to quickly just talk about football because uh, I was, I was, I had the day off yesterday. Uh, basically just did shit around the house with dust, started a fire, like, in a fire pit thing. <laughs> and uh, I would have cracked my first beer by, like, midday. <laughs> Real Simo vibes. And um was pretty pissed by the time the footy started at ten past six where the swans started dollar sixty and I thought, well, why not? I've had a big week and I had a fair bit on it. Then GWS kicked the next eight, so I had to chase that price all the way out. And uh God bless the Swans, God bless Betfair uh in play, uh on sport, and just got God bless football. So I knew what I had is my point when I went to bed. Yeah. I was a good man. I need to ask the Barefoot uh, team there tomorrow because are the Swans the most informed team in the comp at the moment? A lot of the other ones are just getting a little bit shaky. I reckon it's the Swans and Geelong are clearly the most consistent over the last couple of months. Well, we knocked off the Swans. Well, you knocked off the Cats. We knocked off yep. the um, Dogs. Knocked off Brisbane. We didn't beat Melbourne, though. Curly's team. How do you think it, your boys are tracking curls? Oh, look, I probably wrote them off three weeks ago, Jack, and I'm just – I was concerned with uh, post-race comments from um, uh, Oliver. What's his name? What's his first name? Clayton. Clary? Clayton. Clayton Oliver. <laughs> A little bit concerned with his um, post-race comments where he said we just played better against the good teams. Um, sort of says a little bit oh. of where the mindset is there, which is a massive concern because they were playing to go a game clear on top and they got run down by the most pathetic list running around on an AFL park right now in Hawthorne. Um, so they're in, a, they're in a bit, they're in a lot of trouble. But I think I keep coming back to the, the point I think Geelong are favourites because I think they have big time players that have been there and done it and stand up on big occasions where. The other sides might lack that a little bit, and I think that'll count a lot in September. Dicko, do the Swans have a bit of 2008 Hawthorne about them? Is that fair? Uh, they have a bit of um, more, which I hate to say this, the 2016 dogs about them. Mm. Like there's, there's no expectation on them. There's no, it's, all, it's all like a bonus bet. It's just fun. 
Like, nothing's it's expected yeah. of him. But but it comes down to it'll come down like it does most years, especially this year because it looks so even. Like if Clayton Oliver gets injured or you know Hawkins goes down or Selwood or Dangerfield or Buddy or it's those teams are pretty much fucked. Uh, I, exciting for me as a Swans bloke last night was like the game was in the balance and like Errol, who's like a first year player and um, the Lizard, like they, they sort of sparked him. It wasn't like the big senior blokes who turned him into gear. Like, and I think they were entitled to have a slow start. I thought we were a chance of getting rolled anyway, but pretty like trying circumstances for both sides there last night. Yeah, like madness, three blokes played the day before. Uh, yeah, it is absolute madness. But uh, Queensland is certainly uh, Australia, if not the world's most livable. Like, they just keep doing stuff, don't they? Queensland. Always yeah. moving forward. And I look Always moving that, forward. that. Don't look forward to it in a couple of months or probably in a month when it sounds like a few of the biggest countries in the world might be shutting down again. And all the post-race tweeters who were blowing up about the Australian Open being here, now they're blowing up that we're not open because America's open. I just look forward to reading their tweets in a couple of months when the whole joint shuts down again. And on that, Tokyo, what price would you get? What would your market be for the games to start? They start in four days, Peter. I think it will start. I'm not sure it will finish. That's that's my... I've got nothing to go off, but the people, the locals and the, the government don't want it there anyway. It's a loss maker. I'm not sure if it's insured. That would be really interesting to know behind the scenes if it's actually, if there's an insurance for it starting or finishing. Um, because I'd say if that's the case, it's almost certainly not going to finish. Well, there's and Pearls, any thoughts on the, uh, on the cardboard beds? <laughs> Look, I've got a lot of thoughts on the Olympics, but my thoughts right now are with Anastasia Palaszczuk as she represents Queensland <laughs> in our bid for the 2032 Olympic Games in the Sunshine State. Um, so I wished Anna all the best on Twitter. She inboxed me. <laughs> well, she gave um, you your jab, didn't she? Or was it the other way around? Yeah, I carefully jabbed her. You need more than a cardboard bed. Need a rainfall. Look, it's interesting. Like, uh, I don't know whether it'll go ahead. Like, sh- something's going to go wrong. Like, uh, I hope a high-profile athlete will get the COVID, or something's going to go. It'd be a calamity. This. So. How do they get it? They all be mate. vaccinated. I don't know. Well, the Australians won't. They have to be vaccinated to be there. I haven't. I haven't looked into it enough. I, the only thing I've looked into is where <laughs> I can find a bet. Really, I've only haven't been reading anything about COVID in the the Olympics. I'm, surely there's an edge there somewhere. You haven't read anything about the cardboard beds that you've been talking about all the time. Oh, I, I've seen it, the tweets about the cardboard beds, but um, you know, beds are made to be broken, Jack, just like rules. So I'm sure they'll be flaunting <laughs> the social distancing rules there. Yeah, the fit. Athletes over there. <laughs> Imagine the paper cuts you'd get mid midway through. You're gonna have to have a tourniquet hide. You'd get the belt that's hanging off the side of the bed and have to use it as a tourniquet midway. <laughs> this is this is real inside here, guys. Imagine, no, look, all the all the bees. You know, they talk about PPL being innovative with racing in New South Wales. All the athletes are going to be is a little bit more innovative of how they get the job done. Well, speaking of PVL. <laughs> Wow, 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 wow. More oh, we have really segued really well today. 
Okay, so we've got uh, we've got the invitation, which is great because it sounds like something that, um, as I said on the, the Sydney preview, it sounds like a Seinfeld episode. Um, but <laughs> I, I really want to know who's going to be in charge of deciding which horses get an invite. <laughs> same bloke. The same blokes always win or keep winning. Uh, this is an industry and a game that suits the, the narrative for a... A group of people, and if you're watching this, it's not you. Um, <laughs> also, if you're talking on it, it's not us or you. Uh, uh, their turnover, if you compare um, on, like, say, Betfair, I don't know, because of that, for whatever reason, they, they tax it heavier in New South Wales than Victoria. So that's going to. Um, affect the numbers slightly but as PVO will tell you uh, most punters aren't price sensitive so the the numbers speak for themselves that the, their product is struggling for turnover versus the the biggest state which is Victoria their racing is pussy and there's 10 races of shit and it's it's almost unwatchable and I don't understand like if I was invested in that state I, I would want that money spent to invigorate the day-to-day the Saturdays in the winter tracks to make the product better like I, I would argue pretty firmly that the Everest has increased turnover I'm sure of that on that day but the rest of them like the Spread Eagled and the um, the Bondi and the Clavelli they wouldn't be moving the needle turnover wise versus what's like already happening like if if, if I run uh, Victorian racing, I'd let them have their big days and I wouldn't compete with them. I'd put my smaller days on the back of it because there's there's enough eyeballs. They're creating the eyeballs for your your product that day. Yeah, it's warring. It's just it's wasted money, and it probably proves that that, that the punters just get rorted again because they've got t- too much money. You, you you spend money loosely when you've got heaps of it. Mm. It's it's poorly invested money. Surely, what do you guys think? So I think it's bad enough getting to Flemington for Derby Day at uh, what quarter to eleven. Can you imagine trying to get to Randwick for or Rose Hill for quarter to eleven week in week out because they've got ten races and as you said, you know, two or three of them are just complete not a shot. And they know though they're turning it into a poker machine. They know what they're doing. Mm. They're not putting the the, the the shitty highways in the midway at the start so you can watch them if you want. But if you don't, if you're not a complete degenerate and you just want to come for a normal like outing with your family, come at race four. They're good races to start then. No, nah, they filter them through because they think that you're sick enough to just keep feeding the machine like it's dying of thirst. Mm. Curls? Oh, just, I don't really know. Like, I suppose, I don't know, I suppose he's just executing his role and representing the, uh, the people that he's working for. Oh, um, it's working well in rugby league though, isn't it? I don't know. I'm sorry. Which I don't know. He's. I don't know. Rugby league's completely gone anyway. Like if you couldn't bet on it, you wouldn't watch it. It's as simple as that. It's unwatchable, um, mm. and it's not even a national sport anyway. It's played in New South Wales and Queensland, and the rest of the world doesn't give a fuck. Um, so lucky you can bet on it. If they banned betting on it, you wouldn't watch it. Well, that's just me anyway. Um, They're trying to. <laughs> you'd watch Origin. Yeah, you'd probably watch Origin and. When Queensland win, you're a Queenslander, and when New South Wales win, you're a Victorian. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know whether Betfair is the right... It's the only measure you can get. I don't believe Racing New South Wales published turnover figures anyway, so um, you, I think Betfair is the only guide that you can use. Um, now, it'll be... It's a multi-layered sort of question because you use Betfair as a guide to look at turnover, but then you look at Betfair versus other betting platforms and you know that Betfair don't get the, the people that like a sports bet, et cetera, do, right? So your general run-of-the-mill bloke isn't using Betfair. But yeah. the volume's there. For the people that bet more volume, bigger dollars would be on yeah. there for sure. And, and, they've, and, and so they've spoken, right? Um Race one, which is at 11 a.m., when you're still wiping the sleep from your eyes, still had more, still has more <laughs> bet on it. AG version. <laughs> still has, still has more money traded on it than a highway because the highways are dog shit races. So, mm. if we're talking about Betfair being reasonably informed money, they've spoken. They speak with their wallets. There, it's not a very, it's not a, an attractive race to bet on. Um, and like you said, it's just a, it's it's just an equine poker machine now. The product in New South Wales, and it has slipped, and it is hard to watch um, on a Saturday because of that dilution. But you know, that's not appealing to a racing crowd. That's appealing to the victim that they're targeting. As you know, PVL rightly said in his docu- in that documentary they made about Harold Park trots twenty years ago. We've got the pokies in here because the husbands bring their wives and they go and play the pokies and they bet more than the husbands. <laughs> um, it seems that, that that sort of mentality is sort of coming through in the product now that they're offering, in my humble. It's appealing. And the to... rest is just from lava. You know, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's in, in like... Yeah, but I, I don't think anyone really reads the propaganda machine. I don't even read the ones when it's a positive. Like, I don't think that they are... He is acting in the best interest of New South Wales, either. Fuck. I don't really care as well. It's um, second point. Yeah, I don't really care. I just want to bet. Yeah, I don't want to bet on Sydney. I just I follow the boys in and I sort of just just read the chat room and see if we've won or not. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a it's a. Like the, my frustration is as a racing participant and someone who comes to the game at, with, with no pedigree, like no one I know or grew up with gambles or owns horses. Has I don't know anyone in my family who has anything or and still doesn't have an interest in it. And if I was to tell someone to get involved in it, yeah, well, you, I'll, I'll give you my betting advice. You should watch that on um, Seven Mate or Racing dot com or um, Five Two Nine. And then Peter's stuff, you'll need Sky 2, which is a Foxtel channel. And then if you want to bet Curly's stuff, that'll be on 5 to 8 in the day. But then they'll put on some replays of the Sydney races when he's betting at Toowoomba, and that'll probably be on 5 to 6. So, yeah, I'm I'm actually a mounting yard analyst, and so is Peter. So we watch them. I bet you won't see that in Perth or or Toowoomba. It's just fucking brain dead. It's really frustrating. Should just be able to go to one joint and watch what you want to watch. Yeah. Oh, look, yeah, we have those issues, and you still see on social media people still complain about Sky's coverage of Queensland racing, and the same people that are complaining and had 
the opportunity to have an input into making some positive change for Queensland when they re-signed with Sky less than 12 months ago. Like, you sign up for the same shit. Mm. What do you expect's going to happen? So It's amazing the amount of Victorians that complain about Sky, too. That's stakes me every day of the week. Why, why aren't they watching .com? Mm. Yeah. Because they want to watch Doom and, and Brownwick. Well, thankfully, Jack that we have um, John Massara put in place as the chairman of Racing Australia, who would be able to have an impact on these things if they actually held a meeting, because one was due to be held Wednesday that was deferred again. Um, he was plastered across the New South Wales um, propaganda posters as the potential saviour, um, and they still get to have a meeting. But maybe they'll bring it all together. But while the rivers of gold are flowing, why wouldn't you just worry about lining your own pockets? Well, and not worrying about that, the greater good. I, I appreciate you letting me know that because, um, you know, without talking to you, I, I wouldn't have read that anywhere else. Who knows? But worry will always race through well. There'll always be a. There'll always be people betting on racing in Australia. Mm. That's not but the. How much of the pie will, will like sports, esports, American sports take and take yeah, and take? I suppose you're right there. Well, hopefully, anyway. sports bets just like, down how, for how like... do you? <laughs> <laughs> how do you watch like you watch all your footy on the Footy Channel? You know, you can buy like an NBA league pass. Anyway, fucking. Okay, uh, let's talk about some racing on the track. Uh, Dicko, you want to just give us a, a quick rundown of what happened there at Flemington? There's a couple of real big punning form figures. Yeah. Um, Balfolamu, Diaz, Duaz, Dua. Diaz, Diaz. Yes. I hit, I hit it in my Diaz. Hit it in my. Balfolamu, Diaz has gone good. Yeah. 13.4 above the all average benchmark is a proper figure. Uh, well short of his best work to uh, exciting performance from this particular pony. Uh, on Thunderstruck has run a Group 1 figure of 14.9 above the all-average benchmark. That's fucking enormous. It's incredibly fast. When you watched it win, you knew I wasn't on and I knew that I was gone before the corner. And then you thought, oh, hang on, maybe it's going to roll around on Jamie because it looks still a bit green. Uh-uh. That was speed wobbles. It was like when you're a kid and you're on a skateboard going too quick down the hill and you know you're about to eat shit. That was Jamie on top of this horse because it was going so fucking fast. It did all the work for that big figure in the last 600 metres. It's a very, very big performance. Is a proper, proper horse. A stack of good, strong performances throughout the card, not just the winners. I think this would be a really good meeting to follow. Uh, slight caution is the heavy track and the rain that came through the day, but some really sexy sort of data figures the way I look at it. I thought Furion was enormous. Um, this The good fight, God bless it, it saved us having a strip. But it, a good race that, I think. And I, I really like this Seenors Express. If you give that one run, it's sort of putting together a really nice little, little um, portfolio of performances. Uh, fascinating riders. You just see, if you look at the data, you notice, so there's 800 metres, 14, 14, 2,000, 1,200 down the straight, 16, 16, 28, and 
17. So there was a 1,216,000 there in the middle. So races five and seven, the only two races down the straight. By far the slowest races of the day. So they've just gone way too slow because that wind's hitting them in the face. So the, the horses that get to the front feel the wind. They go as slow as they can. Every other horse behind it gets jammed up. That's why uh, I think Kelcarney Royal was in the market. Yearlong Storm wasn't. It throws up chaos because it's just not like a proper horse race. They, they would go so slow that anything could sort of happen. Froggy knew it. Peach of a ride on Yearlong Storm. The wind was coming like into their faces and then sort of across them a little bit more for race seven. So cover was a real big bonus, even though how slow they went, if you could build momentum at the right time. Um, Zorro's dream, stiff. I thought he made some really poor decisions riding that horse. Um, But uh, I can't follow it again now. I think it's been up for long enough. Uh, Express pass. The market, somehow the market knew, which I don't think it knew, that the, the rider was going to be one of the three riders to stay on the inside and just cop the full brunt of the wind by themselves. Um, it was brain dead and a, a poor performance all round. I think the horse can be forgiven and, and can be followed. It was was not expected to run a good race the way the market treated it late. Um, and the other thing I thought we'd touch on, obviously the horses to follow is I'm Thunderstruck. Uh, Furion and Bartholomew Diaz. I, mean, I don't know if the stewards have just changed their tone completely or what's happened here, but they've questioned your girl Carlene for her ride on Lindhurst and not questioned Tate and Bull on uh, maybe ride enough. And cheeky little Tio, who was questioned for going too quick two or three months ago, gave Galgani a fucking peach of a ride in the same race. So... Uh, thoroughly confused, as I'm sure the jockeys are, as to what they're supposed to do now. Um, they questioned Carlin for getting too far back and, and being in, in an impossible position. Is that the first time they've watched her ride? <laughs> no, no, well, she... Settle down, She was girls. given instructions to go... She was given instructions to ride for position and not tempo. She did She did exactly as was what was asked of her. I, I think... She, I think the questioning is correct, but the questioning should be that of the stable, not of the rider. She was done. She did as, as she was instructed to do. You know, um, it's just utterly confusing. Um, I also have, like, I forgive, and I think oh, I'm sympathetic to Fred Kersley's ride on dice roll. Like, he got criticised and hassled and diggerised for going too slow. Or I'm not sure what he was sort of criticised for when he went forward on dice roll the previous start. Then they found another race where there was no tempo again. So it's obvious to me that the instructions from the stable, um, from so I don't know if Nick Ryan, but Nick Ryan's stable, whoever does their tactics, was you know to try and get cover. But there was a very very unlikely scenario that he's going to get any cover without going right back to last. He sat three wide no cover. Uh, I saw him getting berated on Twitter. I think that's unfair. I don't know what else he was supposed to do. And, um, yeah, again, a race with no tempo on paper throws up a bit of a wide result. I think there's a little pearl there for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. Very good, Dicko. Um, Solid week by the two Jacks. Jack squad. Shane Gillio. Yeah, nice week. 
Queensland or Eagle Farm, just uh, give us the, the best and the worst. Les Jack just wants to say something about himself there. Pat hit the me-offs on the back. <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm not as good as, at that as you. Yeah, I'm working on it. You know I'm working on it. We have, we have little lessons. <laughs> um, but the main people, we need, like, Peter's never done anything flary ever. Like, how many units did you win on Saturday? Oh, 23, but, you know, it was coming off a, a pretty flat Wednesday and Thursday where didn't really get any any joy. Shane, but... how would you have opened the show today if you were Peter coming off a 23-unit win on Saturday? Slightly different to Pistol. <laughs> <laughs> what about a 40-minute segment on how the West was won? <laughs> how long would you have spent on Sunday thinking about what you are going to wear? Oh, no. <laughs> I would have got the kids dressed up, trunk out. And... <laughs> uh, anyway, back to... Uh, the only reason... You say that Pistol hasn't done anything flary. He hasn't done anything flary in public. I bet you he's got a bit of flair yeah. after dark. The leather belt stuff, he went that pretty quickly, didn't he? It's a good night Saturday night, okay. actually. I ended up at the hippie club for the first time in about 15 years. But... Um... Right in too. What'd you drink? What'd you drink? Uh, you just got to keep it safe. The the further you go, the safer you have to be. So uh, just stick to bourbon and coke. And I feel like the the brown is really just elevating the the dulcet tones these days. <laughs> Soon you'll just hear me narrating like horse racing ads. Sign up now to something syndications. Started favourite at three or four starts as a two-year-old. <laughs> Placed in one of them. <laughs> uh, Master Queensland. Son of... Exceeded Sorry. Excel. Sorry. <laughs> Lizzie Jelf said it looked good in the yard, standing for $12,000. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Mother well, one invitation. <laughs> Once again, I digress. Um... I'm very good at that. Queensland. Yes. Um, just uh, the quintessential off-season winter meeting on Saturday. Uh, we had windy, drying weather at Eagle Farm. Um, nothing really outstanding. There's a, a peak figure in the three-year-old 1,800-metre race off a hot tempo, but not, not, not much, nothing worth talking about. Um, big figure. Was a big figure. Um, look, if I was um, if I was the owner of that horse, I'd be uh, copy and pasting mm-hmm. that figure off punningform.com.au and sending it to every Hong Kong bloodstock agent uh, going around. Um, yeah, well, it's not, not a hell of a lot to report. There's um, some some young fellas and girls uh, in, with their inexperience of the Eagle Farm tracks. A bit of a highlight on some of the reviews that I've done. We're on Cinque Day and Triple Ace, um, a couple of horses that weren't beaten far and arguably could have won, uh, which would have made it a winning what, day no. overall. What, what is this? Arguably. The Triple Ace ride was passed. Was he questioned? No. Um, no. I don't know. It's, it looked like he rode it like he was unsure it could run a strong 1,200. That's what it, the ride looked like. I've got no confidence in this horse running the trip. I'm going to cuddle it for as long as I can. I don't know. 
I mean, it's one of the one of the races I watched up there, and I was like, you know, bad barista was. I think we may have backed it at Gatton. It got beat at Gatton at two seventy favourite. It got beat at Gatton. It never looked like winning at Gatton. Gets to the outside of the track and blows him, blows us away at Eagle Farm on a Sadie and an open three year old. Like, honestly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, it, um, and, it, and it runs and it runs like is it it's the worst figure of the whole day and triple ace is probably i'm tipping one of the better horses there yeah it was a bad figure overall <laughs> like a really really bad figure overall it's the, like you say it was the slowest figure of the day it's disgraceful that's why the ride was disgraceful like as a punter, you just want to see them ask. You want to see them stop, not be able to keep going and not win. You know, like get the most out of this horse for for the punter, please. And the connections, especially when you're sitting on a slow tempo like that. And it looked like there's a few other jockeys that might have been on the same horse that we were. But I look at some of those rides, like <laughs> a couple of them. A couple of them were on speed three and four deep, and said and just yeah. decided to grab hold, going six lengths slow. Like it was. It was a hard race to watch, and we just never looked like the horse never seemed to. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. It, it, tri- Triple Ace, uh, it's the wor- it's the worst figure of its career. Its previous worst was a three point two below the, the class, or for the class, right? And this is an eight point three lengths below the class. Eight point three lengths below the class. Wow. Uh, it's all got to do with that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway. I could go on forever here because I was completely great up after that race. Are there any horses or, or, or something you want to take out of the meeting then? Um, a couple of jockeys I want to highlight that ride Eagle Farm really well, and I think it's important going forward because we've got a lot of kids that have been given Metropolitan Apprentice licenses to ride on these Saturday meetings, which shouldn't be there. So because they claim three, they're going to get opportunities. Bailey Notice ride on shooting for gold. Um now, obviously, it should have won. It was very short, but um, he's just un- described him as unflappable in the way he rides that track, and he knows it's the he obviously understands the length of the straight there. So, just how he rode that horse, he never asked it for its supreme effort until late. Um, I think that's important for a big for a big track like Eagle Farm, where some jocks can just get a rush of blood and and uh, you know have their horses flat early if that makes sense um and have nothing left and you often see the last 200 meters um of races like relatively slow because they're all sort of flat and peaked at the 200 where the way bailey rides is a great example of one that didn't another great example was the last race brad stewart on sea raider who led cut the corner and then drifted out in the straight um oh that was glorious the great ride. He was lane one, and then he was lane three, and then at the 200, he was lane six, and he led, uh, dictated the race, and was able to dash away. And I get the feeling that was a real sort of old-school class deep thinker's ride because I remember we were on a Zoom, and Roden really, like, he really got off on that ride. He loved it. Yeah, it was a great ride. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a couple of things to look to look uh, that I'll be taking out of the meeting is that um, you know the riders that we're going to be betting into um, as I said there's a few claimers that are going to be riding and getting the right rides too because they claim three and have a bit of a reputation so maybe these uh, these more experienced fellas 
might be worth adding links to okay. going forward. Well, we'll stick in Queensland for the start of Q&A because we've got a couple of questions regarding some Queensland trainers. Uh, what is Casey Fogden's recent strike rate? And also, any chance you have some Van Dyke stats for recent performances? Seems like he's struggling. Yes. Um, well, I'll start with Casey's stats. He's a uh, career, at career, 15% winning strike rate, which is very strong. Uh, last 50 striking at 22%, uh, which is big figures. You know, if you're plus 20, I think any at any period of time, plus 20 is, is very, very good going. Um, so I did have a look through uh, some other things there just to try and get some other clarity around those figures. And I think um, just look at the SPs of the of the runners and, you know, if they're not winning, they're running well, and which is sort of more of an indication that they're well-placed as well. Um, so I think that's you know, pretty strong numbers and, uh, got, they had one heavily backed runner too. It was a, another, another tried horse that she'd taken on board from down south that come to Queensland, Nowitzki, that led and won during the week. Uh, Nowitzki, that Victorian? X, I think Kieran Ma had it. Um, yeah, he did. Kieran Ma had it, I think, and then it's come to come to Queensland and was first up 1350 and led and won and was not like $9 into $4. So that was a... That was one that sort of come to mind of another tried horse that has got the job done up here. Um, as for DVD, might be a, there might be a little bit of recency bias amongst that feeling that he's not going as well because he isn't, but it's only just recent. Um, in July, DVD has sent around 19 runners for just the two winners who have... Um, SP'd 160 and 220, respectively. So um, it could be a, a question of cattle, maybe, uh, the type of horses. Um, certainly have a look at his SPs, though. Like They're still, you know, they're still getting beat at a short enough quote, um, that's for sure, but... That's July, and I'm sure that um, he'll find it. I'm sure that they'll bounce back. But there's something to look just quickly on punningformer.com.au. His last handful of runners, all under five dollars. Um, most of them under five dollars. You've got a couple of example, a couple of um, ones that that weren't splendor in the glass in a listed in a listed race. And, yeah, so particularly lately. Most of his run has been in the market and sort of underperforming, I'd say. And I think there was another example of that yesterday. There's a couple. A couple went around favourite and got rolled again. So two from 19, certainly not the David Van Dyke sort of strike rate that we're used to, that's for sure. Yeah, that's fair to say. Okay, we'll go on to a couple of questions from John Sist, long-term friend of the show. Uh, question, when following betting a staking plan, e.g. two units at $5 for a 10-unit return, if you can only get $4.60, should you change the units up to get a $10 return, e.g. 2.2 units, or accept the lower price? <clears throat> Who, me? You? Personally, I would stick to the same unit advice. I wouldn't change it up because the way that I'm sending units is based off my rated price. So the actual rated price is dictating units and not the current market price. I'm sending units the same way, obviously, 
mostly whatever I do, Peter's doing, whatever Peter's doing, I'm doing, and Jack's doing. Um, I think five to four eighty doesn't matter the way we send them. So if we're sending something at fives, it means we've probably got it like four or less if it's our stuff. Um, I think the most important thing to do there, though, is whichever way – you can probably argue a few ways mm. to handle that, and whichever way you do decide, um, just stick to it for at least sort of two to three months. Don't ch- chip and change because it, you'll just cause – you're going to have a lot of head noise. Well, Sisti knows this as good as I do. He's been around forever. But um, I, I think one of the most important things is just to limit the head noise. So – uh, Tuki Pop yesterday, I, I thought of, quite liked it. We backed it last start. Uh, instinctively, I probably have more on it than, than I did, but the thing just tells me what to have on it. I'll just do it. You know, off my rate of price, and that's it. Decision made, job done. I don't think about it again. Yep. You can sort of grow yourself up and waste time thinking, oh, fuck, I should have chased that in. You, you, you might miss some. So, like... Have a like. I just have a set of rules. So if they send it at fives, I'm happy to take down to a price. And you have a whole percentage system for every everywhere. Or I don't only take the price if it gets there, and I'll monitor it if it comes back out. Yeah. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not upping my stake to chase the original stake. Yeah. To to chase the original ret- unit return. How, how I personally handle it is if I miss one of theirs that come through, which at the moment, I very rarely do, but if I do, I just I do not back it. If I, if if it's moved more than sort of ten cents, twenty cents, I will not back it, and I'll keep an eye on it, and I often set an, an alarm in my phone that will just ping, and then once it pings, oh, oh fuck, that's right, I miss Curly's thing in race six at Mackay or whatever. Because if you if you're five minutes late to Curly's stuff at, at Mackay, even though they're betting NBLs, you know the the, the Curlio fucking army has arrived and has decimated the joint. We need to hope and pray that some other fucker has got a different opinion and can reverse that back out for those of us that missed it. But, yeah, quick and the dead. Indeed. Uh, second question from Sisti. When your trainer has stablemates in the same race, should trainers tell you the chances of the stablemate? It's strange when you get reports that all is well and you're going to win or high levels of confidence, which is what most trainers say. Strange when your horse goes from $2.40 out to $3.60 and the stable mate is back from $6 into $4. The stable knew, but the owners did not. Well, I think I think Darren Wynn knew sometimes, but Dennis Pager won the derby. I don't think they know what they're doing overly. Um, I think they'll say things after the race like, oh, yeah, you know, it's working the hairs down, expected. They're just saying that to sound smart so they sell more horses and get more people to get them to train the horses. I don't think they know. Uh, I wouldn't listen to it. Yeah, I mean, I can obviously understand the frustration. I think it all comes down to owning horses. You very much need to have a relationship with a trainer that you can inherently trust. Um, Obviously, I haven't owned any horses really in Victoria or New South Wales. I can't really speak for those jurisdictions, but Typically in WA, there's a good amount of trainers that are very open with their ownership group. They tend to have very loyal owners. And as a result, it does make it quite easy to build a strong relationship in those in those terms. So typically, if you've got more than one horse in a race in WA, our you know trainers will basically go through their other chances in the race. 
Yeah, I'm. I'm imply, I'm also implying there that I think they're all pretty like honest. They're they're all trying. They just don't know which one's going to do the right thing. And half the time, like you talk to them and say, "Well, you need to be, you have to like put this horse into the race if you want to win today." Mm. And they say, "Well, it's it's ready to win, but it's just I don't think we can get it to that position, so we're going to go back." So that they think it's going to win, they don't. They don't really know that like they have to be better than midfield to win a Caulfield on Saturday or whatever. But yeah. I just they'd just grow me right up. If I ever owned them properly, I'd want to be controlling jockey and tactics, wouldn't you? I don't plan on training a derby, but then again, I didn't train a AFL team to a premiership, so what would I know? Mm. Well, I'll let you well, know in a few. Peter, how old this. are you? Yeah, what, mate? <laughs> we can write our own story, mate. All right. <laughs> Uh, I feel like, like I've... Look the other way around, though, Curls. We'll, we'll train like the Toowoomba like maiden winner. Then we'll train, you know, a fucking Doombin class one. Nah. Then we'll move Obviously. south. Then we'll win a group race. And then we'll, with all our cash, we'll buy a footy team. And we'll coach it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. John's question sounds relatively close to home for me, actually. Um Sounds like a real life scenario. Uh, Is it? It's. Um, I don't know. I think I agree with what you're saying at times, um, but I also think that trainers are business people as well, and some trainers are very good at selling the sizzle, but have got the easiest of outs. Look, I'm only going to give you positive news about this horse, and then when it gets beat, I'm going to say that, oh, he just did this or it just did that, and we'll get him next time. Forget might that, right? Might have felt it in his knees. Might have a wind problem. Yeah. Anyway. Don't think he liked going. I don't know. I think one of the best things one of the best things you can do is um, do not read owner updates if you're an owner about your own horse. If you're a punter, or don't back your own horses to save yourself. No, or, or do what Peter just has five hundred bucks on every every time they run. Doesn't think about it. That's that's getting back to like don't grow up. Just yeah. go, yep, yeah. yep, yep. Because when the trainer says, "Oh, we're not going to be we're not going to be there today. We're just having a run," and it goes around twenty dollars and wins. You're gonna, despite you owned a horse that just won first up at twenty to one, you want to fucking kill yourself and the trainer yeah. and the jockey and the horse, and you're never gonna ride, ride never again. None of it. Point. That's a bit extreme, but um, I actually had a very simple mathematical equation to work out when I should back my own horses, which is effectively whatever percentage of the horse you owned to work out what you stood to collect from the prize money. And if your normal stake divided by the odds was equal to or less than the prize money you stood to win. So if you're actually going to make more out of the prize money, you don't back it if it's say like a $2 shot, but if it's a $20 shot, you still have the same stake on because you're going to make more than your prize money. Yeah, I don't really understand that. But... I'll find. I, it um, just don't be don't be naive enough to to work out the same equation and then lay it to win the same amount on Betfair. Yeah, <laughs> the week ahead. Uh, what have we got in Victoria? Um, uh, some fascinating stuff coming up this week in Victoria. Uh, That's good. We are at. W- Royal Sandown Wednesday with a bit of Gawler, which I won't, I won't be betting at Gawler, but I'll send bets in the chat group, which 
fuck. On, I think it was Wednesday, I lost six units doing that because I did that. And then on Saturday, it was a fill-up. Anyway, Cranbourne Thursday, we'll try and find something. Mildura is unlikely. To, maybe we'll pick a part of Maiden there, but you don't know. Caulfield Saturday and Sale on Sunday with a bit of Wangarada. All right. All and then right. next the week after is the first week off in um, five years. What, in Victoria? Snow racing Monday to Friday, and then Saturday, the Valley's back. Oh, my goodness. In Valley, Sandown, it's it's fucking glorious the week that's, after. That's going to be magnificent. Should be con- that's um, a big congratulations to the um, to the content creators there at Racing Victoria for having the new cycle for Victorian trainers. Not enough prize money, too much racing, too many early starts, not enough trained staff, not enough races because there's a week off. So we'll get through this one, and then next month we'll be back to um, not enough trained staff. But in Queensland, we don't have that much. We don't have that many issues. Um, We have Eagle Farm Wednesday. Which that's the same track that we raced on Saturday. We are racing again on Wednesday. Play on. Ipswich Friday. These these Friday Ipswich meetings, these provincial Ipswich meetings, have been complete rubbish uh, in the last couple of weeks. So I'll be treading warily there, but you just bet when you can, I suppose. And if there's a bet, you still bet. And then Saturday, the usual uh, fair of Metropolitan Brisbane racing this week's at Doomben. Then we've got Gold Coast, Bundaberg, Emerald, Ingram. Julia Creek, Longreach, Mackay, Roma, and Toowoomba. Sounds like a song. Um, in WA, I'll be on course for Mountain Guard Mail on Wednesday. I will not be there on Saturday. Oh. It'll be an early set sent out, staking plan. You'll get my top-rated prices, but I will not be updating race by race because I'll be in Margaret River at a Bucks weekend and may or may not live through the week. Um, if I do, I'll be back on course next week for Mountain Yard Mail. <laughs> And if he doesn't, we're all fucked. So, uh, meanwhile, yeah. in the in God the country's uh, most locked down state, Wyong on Tuesday, Kensington on Wednesday, Kembla Grange on Thursday, Rose Hill Gardens on Saturday, Gosford on Sunday. I think Mark Roden will be picking hasn't, up the majority of those. Has, hasn't the old beat Gladys really like put herself in it with a couple of you know poorly timed quotes? When the, she like in political terms. Has she gone the biggest early crow of all time? Like that, she was four hundred out. There was no one near her. She had thirty lengths on the on the nearest horse, and she just started like sitting up on it and just waving to the crowd. And all of a sudden, she's just stopped. Oh, she's protected from the Murdoch media empire. She's she gets a lot of free passes. It's I can't wait till Poopy Pants isn't protected. Oh. You know, you know they've got the poopy pen story just like buried somewhere. They bought it. Oh, I can't wait. And on that note, 